for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Off and running, Dakota Marker Week. This is where folks like Matt Zimmer really earn his bacon. Really, that's this is why they pay him the big bucks. We are going to have record hits on this podcast because we usually get our best hits on uh, big jackrabbit football games, especially when it's against North Dakota State or playing for the national championship. And, uh, so 25, 30, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, yes. A lot of people. <laughs> uh, compared to the usual 12 or 13, uh, compared to Jen's 11 clicks. It's a little disappointing not to have uh, Matt's lady friend Jen here today. She provided a lot of fun for the last couple of podcasts. But, she'll be back. Uh, she wanted to sleep in. It's good to know that she'll be back. Uh, we are here at the Gateway. Matt's digging into his chislick. I've got my... Uh, it's so good today. I, I, that it usually isn't. But, well, oh, man. it makes it even better today. And, and it's just uh, perfectly done, <laughs> nicely salted. Man. You mind, yeah, I hate to be rude. You mind flipping the microphone around a little bit there so it's, you can register a little higher here. I don't have to spend an hour in post-production. I'm chewing on my food. Be disgusted by it. Well, and here's how this is going to work is... Uh, you're gonna. You're about to finish your food. You're hawking that down. You've got. You've got like the busiest week ever, I guess. Because not only, I don't know if it's extra coverage, but it's big coverage of of the Jackson, the Bison, and then uh, you've got all these press conferences for winter sports going on at Augie and USF. I had Augustana and Skyforce Media Day. Today USF Media Day. Monday was SDSU Basketball Media Day. Uh, yeah, very busy week, and obviously still high school football playoffs. And yeah. I got a semifinal game Friday, and then next week it'll be uh, championship weekend, and also it'll be SDSU USD yeah, week for on football, the same so. day. So they'll yeah. double you up for that, yeah. Uh, and you're going to the USF thing here in just a little bit. So uh, what we're going to do here is you're almost finished, and then my I, I just took one sip of my beer, my Sierra Nevada, which they have on tap here. Another one of the million things I love about the Gateway Lounge on 41st and I-29. And uh, then I'm going to get my bacon cheeseburger, which is a bacon chicken breast. And, uh, and I'm going to eat that while you just, you just go ahead and give us the full-blown preview of the Dakota Marker game while I interject with the occasional question because I know your mind and your notepads are filled with material uh, ready to be unleashed. So let's get going uh, because we'll also get to, hopefully, Aaron Rodgers. What a dumbass. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing, and yet he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Uh, with with not being vaccinated and not being able to play against the Chiefs on Sunday, giving the Chiefs a fighting chance, that'll make this place uh, even more fun. There's plenty of Packers fans here, and this is a great Chiefs bar, so come watch all that unfold. The Aaron Rodgers list Packers. We'll get to see what Jordan Love's going to be all about on Sunday. And, uh, and we'll get to Adrian Peterson joining the Titans and, of course, the Vikings. And if Zimmer thinks Zimmer... Uh, this is finally it for Mike Zimmer with the Vikings, or should be, after what happened on Sunday against the Cowboys. Uh, so, let's see. Oh, you only have one tip left, so I think I've I think they filibustered well enough here. You ready to go? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what's it feeling like? This is, uh, these are, it doesn't feel like these are either of the best Jackrabbit or Bison teams we've seen, and SDSU has two losses. The Bison, 
somewhat quietly undefeated. Yeah. Uh, this one is in Brookings where you'd think, okay, well, that gives the Jacks a better chance. They beat NDSU in the Fargo Dome this past spring. And in fact, they've won two of the last three in the Fargo Dome. And they're, as you've written about this week in the Argus Leader, the Jacks have struggled, uh, including big games uh, at Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium. They keep losing to Northern Iowa there. They lost the last time NDSU was there when college game day was there. Uh, so that's your backdrop. Um, Curtis Riggs likes the Jacks in this game. Really? Yes, he does. You want to hear why? I do want to hear why. You can go to the Move the Sticks podcast right, <laughs> with Curtis Riggs. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. I'll tell you why in a moment, but I want to hear how you're feeling midweek. We tape this on Wednesday at noon, uh, Jacks and Bison. I mean, I won't be shocked if the Jacks win, but I certainly am not going to pick them. Um, they haven't played well at home. And the Bison are 8-0, taking care of business. They're not maybe the juggernaut that they've been at times during their dynasty, but they're very good. Their defense is very good, and SDSU's offense hasn't been I – mean, they just scored 47 points last week. But for whatever reason, they go on the road, and they sort of have this road warrior mentality, you know, where they embrace, you know, being the bad guys. And, you know, it probably helps that some of the places they've gone to, Youngstown, Macomb, uh, Terre Haute, aren't exactly, you know, like going into the Lions' yeah, den those or are anything not snake like pits. that. Um, but still, uh, they're, for whatever reason, they're able to do that. And they come home and they can't. And I tried to get a couple players to to speculate at practice yesterday what the problem is. And I wouldn't say they ducked the question. I think they just don't know. You know, I think they're not stupid and they're not going to insult my intelligence. And to, to their credit, they didn't say, like, oh, we don't have any problem at home. You know, no, what are you talking about? You know, they, they were like, yeah, we, for whatever reason, have not played well at home the last two weeks. Why? Uh, 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 well... Yeah, maybe it's uh, – nobody knows. No one seems to be able to, to pin it down. Um, Chris Oladokun came the closest to – he didn't, you know, use the, the specific words, but kind of seemed to imply that maybe the pressure just gets to us. You know, playing in front of a big crowd, having the expectations, and not just the expectations on that day, but the expectations that this team has as a whole for this whole season. Um and I think he's probably right. That that seems like that's probably what's going on here. For whatever reason, <clears throat> they go to Colorado State at the start of the year, and they're all fired up for this challenge of an FBS game. And and uh, their uh, mental strength coach, Chris Crock, was talking to him after practice yesterday, and he was saying, like, that's the team that we need to find again. And he was like, that team still exists. That team that went up to Colorado and beat the crap out of them, 42-23, he's like, that team is still here. And, uh, you know, he's kind of trying to give them a motivational speech. As he was saying that, I was thinking to myself, is it? Is that team still yeah, here? Yeah. Now, part of it is it's not because of injuries. You know, the Jacks were still healthy in that game. They've since lost Isaiah Davis and Don Gardner and, you know, went without Logan Backus and some other guys for a while. They're starting to get healthy now. Uh, but I just don't know if they're going to be that team again. They look more like that team on the road. Um, but until they, you know, if they win this week against NDSU at home, that kind of changes the entire narrative. You know, then you're, you're yeah. like, okay, they just shit the bed these two games at home, but now, you know, they're back on track, or this is a big win, number two team in the country, the Bison. Yes. Everything's kind of back on the table. Yes. But if they lose, you fall to 0-3 at home in conference games. Wow. You still haven't beaten anyone good except Colorado State. Um, you know, you're looking at just trying to get into the playoffs, let alone worry about a home game or anything like that. So, I mean, 
like I said, I'm not arguing with Curtis. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jacks win, uh, but I, I just don't see how you can see them as the favorites based on what's transpired over the last month. I'd have to actually go back and and get the true prediction. I think he may have said along the same lines that he would not be surprised if the Jacks won. But, uh, look, you, you bring up some interesting points. Uh, and I, I love it how this is twice now that you have brought up the strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, Tuesday. Mental strength coach. Me- oh, mental strength coach. I don't know if that's his exact title, but okay. not strength and conditioning. That's the weightlifting guy. This okay. guy is like a motivational speaker. Sometimes those weightlifting guys are that kind of. too. Okay. Oh. And uh, it's a he's paid the, position he's, on the staff. This is their second year. He's the with team's Matt Foley. Okay, yeah. that's good. I'm not. I'm not going to poo-poo that. This is 2021. There These are, are times good things that to have. I, I've listened to many of his speeches. Occasionally, they're corny, and you kind of roll your eyes. But most of the time, they're pretty good. And I'm as cynical as anybody. Yes. But I usually am like. I, I get why they're bringing this guy in here. This is kind of, and this is kind of his big thing to do. I'm sure he has other responsibilities, but this is like his right. most important thing is sending the right message. I don't know if right it's his message. most important, but he you know gives them a a 10 15 minute monologue after wow. practice. And that, that sounds like if not his most important, his most uh, highest high and most right. yeah most yeah, prolific. The entire team at most once, prolific. Yeah. yeah, I mean I I mean that that for me that'd be a big deal. Like I got to really prepare some things and oh, he, yeah. you got to have some different messages. You can't have the same one every week. He's definitely but, not winging it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, here's another thing that uh, to, to piggyback off of is this the same team as Colorado State? Uh, on the other side with North Dakota State, as we continue the 30,000-foot view of this game before we get into the matchups, uh, you know, you wrote a story with the headline, NDSU goes 7-3 and three in the spring. Is their dynasty slipping? Don't count on it. I mean, you answered your own question there, and then you, uh-huh. you wrote the reasons why. Uh, so I guess I'll start with that. Why? Why is it? Why are they? Why is their dynasty not? I mean, the, the easy answer right now is they're undefeated. There they're atop the league. What yeah. are they ranked right now? They second, number third, two. number two in the country. So here's your and first if they answer. win out, they will be the number one seed in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which means everything will have to go through Fargo, which means more than likely they will win a national championship. I mean, yeah. they've been beaten before, but that will be setting up to kind of go back to uh, <laughs> the 2010s and. And what we saw eight out of nine years during that time. I'm good. Okay, the second question is Mike McFeely. It's interesting. He continues the same drumbeat. This is the columnist in Fargo. Mm-hmm. I think you have a decent amount of respect for him and, and like what he does. And, yeah, Mike and uh, I are friends. Yeah. And, and Mike covers very closely the Bison program. He's an at-large columnist. He's kind of like a, a Stu Whitney up there, or as he would say, no, Stu Whitney is the Mike McFeely of, <laughs> of Sioux Falls. Uh, yeah, Mike's a smart guy. He writes a lot of sports. He covers a lot of the Bison, but he also does stuff at large. Uh, and all during the spring season, while NDSU was going 7-3 and three and struggling and getting beat by the Jacks and losing earlier in the playoffs than they usually do, uh, he was saying the whole time that it was a uh, it, it, it was not a season you put much stock it was into. A farce, at, yeah, at yeah. times he called it a farce and a fraud, and uh, Jackrabbit fans would disagree partly because they almost won the national championship, and it felt every bit as real. And we did that topic a lot during the spring: is how real is this? Because right. it is the spring, and some games are getting canceled, and blah blah blah. All right, so let's answer Mike McFeely's question because he's because he subtweeted your "Hey, is NDSU's dynasty slipping because of the seven and three spring?" And he said, did people really put that much stock in the spring season? I guess they did. He still doesn't. What about you? Um, I get what he's saying, but I disagree with him. I, I, and I, I don't think Mike has a lot of uh, support with that take. I mean, um, he was kind of trying to poo-poo it from the beginning. I don't know why. Um, it's fine. I, you know, I never got the sense that North Dakota State wasn't all in to try and win it. 
but I could be wrong. Mike's closer to that program than, than I am, certainly. Uh, they played 10 games. Um, you know, was it a true uh, version of NDSU? You could definitely make that argument because they had a bunch of injuries. I do believe they had some players opt out because of COVID. Uh, the quarterback situation was a mess with Zeb Nolan didn't work out. They ended up going to Cam Miller, the freshman. They couldn't play Quincy Patterson, their guy now, because, you know, he was still transfer rules. So I don't know. I mean, Bison were still trying to win. Sam Houston was trying to win. James Madison was trying to win. You know, there were other, you know, the teams that opted out that quit in the middle of the season. Certainly that's one thing. But uh, I, 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 especially by the end of it, when the things sort of resumed for the playoffs, and everyone was kind of like, all right, I guess we're doing this. You know, I, those games felt pretty real. Uh, the national championship game was a good, well-played game. You wouldn't watch that game. I mean, that had a national audience, a national TV, and it, you know, came down to the final play, and Isaiah Davis had this heroic performance. I mean, you wouldn't watch that game and go, oh, this is bullshit. Why are they doing this? What a joke. I mean, people who didn't have familiarity with FCS football watched that and were like, holy shit, this is a great football game. Yes. Because it was. Well, so were the quarterfinals and the semifinals. I yeah. mean, the Jacks games, that Southern Illinois game was bonkers, and yeah. it was a high level of play. And so was the semifinal game where they just absolutely shut down Delaware, right? Yeah. And yeah. then uh, the, on the other side, that Sam Houston was the James team that knocked Madison. out NDSU. <laughs> uh, Sam Houston knocks off NDSU, then they beat James Madison, and that was a wild, like, 35 point whatever it was comeback uh that that felt very much like real football not exhibition football so then i'll narrow the focus of this spring topic to okay uh i remember vividly uh the fourth quarter where south dakota state did the ndsu thing they were the ones that had the better strength and conditioning wore them down the three yard runs from earlier in the game were becoming seven they yard mostly runs beat for NDSU first down. at their own game yeah, yeah. and uh kept it simple it used to be that you needed to use some some fireworks like wenicky and goddard and, and taron christian. christian running game in 2016 and, yeah and i saw them do that and then they did it again in 2017 but um but anyway so what kind of stock do you put in that game you mentioned the quarterback that NDSU wants and needs is 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 there he wasn't there in the spring what else well he Again, got benched what, I mean what, Cam Miller's back under center yeah uh Quincy Patterson got hurt okay but I'm talking was, about Patterson yeah oh okay you you are talking about Patterson well yeah let's, he's not playing okay so who's playing Cam Miller okay the guy who played last spring okay so that that could you that could allow you to put more stock into applying that game to what happens in this game because you have a lot of the same players overall uh -huh. on, on on the teams so like I said uh, how much do you take from that game to either predict or uh, yeah foresee what what can happen on Saturday in that's Brookings? a good question I think NDSU is better on the offensive line in the fall than they were in the spring um, I've heard from some sources that maybe they're not as good on the defensive line, but the statistics certainly don't bear that out. They're allowing eight points a game and two yards per carry, 70 rushing yards a game. I mean, all the stats are there that we've seen from the years they won national championships. An offense that runs for about 250 yards a game, a passing game that is effective but not necessarily necessary. You know, they're averaging, you know, what, 120, 150 passing yards a game, not because they can't throw, but because they usually don't need to throw when you r rush for 250, 260 yards. Uh, the defense, again, they're giving up eight, eight points per game overall. You know, they shut out Illinois State. They shut out Indiana State, um, beat North Dakota 16 to 10, uh, beat Northern Iowa. I believe the score was 34 to 20. Uh, didn't have a great non-conference schedule because, again, no one wants to play them. They really struggle to find non-conference games. 
I mean, it's really hard to parse through their schedule, their statistics, their personnel, anything, and go, well, this is why they're not very good. I mean, they're pretty solid all the way around. All you can really say is they're not destroying people like they usually did, or they don't have these obvious NFL candidates, you know, like when you had Trey Lance and Jabril Cox and some of these guys that you're like, okay, this guy, you know, Carson Wentz on down yeah. the line. Um, but, you know, they're just, they're just doing what we got used to seeing them do. And the, the Jacks, for their part, you know, they don't have Mark Gronowski, who was mm-hmm. a big part of what they did when they beat him in the spring. Mm-hmm. Now they have Chris Oladokun, who's – different than than Mark Gronowski. Is he better? I don't know. You know, it kind of depends on what you think you need to win that. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, we can. Yeah, separate. Yep, thank you. Appreciate Thanks. it. I mean, it kind of depends on what you think you need to do to beat them. Um, I think the Jacks are going to try to do what they did again in the spring, out-physical them, you know, beat them at the line of scrimmage. But we were talking about it on last week's podcast. John Stiglmeyer just got done saying Northern Iowa beat us up in that area. You know, they out-physicaled us. They defeated us at the point of attack. You know, they wanted it That's more, right. all those things. Well, if you couldn't do it against Northern Iowa, you're going to be able to do it against the Bison? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, what Curtis Riggs did say was this is a typical North Dakota State team, and everything it does and tries to do offensively, it's fairly vanilla because it can be because right. it's just going to be meat and potatoes, block block you better than you can get you know, get to them and uh, smash it up the middle and uh, shred, your, shred your will apart. As you mentioned, not just the 150 yards passing a game because they don't need to pass, but the fact that they're only giving up eight points per game suggests that even their backups aren't giving up much points late right. in games when they're already way ahead. Sometimes you get the extra two or three touchdowns on the scoreboard that make it seem like right. their defense didn't have a, right. Anyway. Well, and again, um, I mean, <laughs> the Jacks' offense has it's, – it's hard to say they've been struggling. They just scored 47 points last week, you know, yeah. uh, but only scored 17 the week before against Northern Iowa. Um, and, you know, have had some turnover issues. Even last week against Youngstown State, two turnovers in Youngstown territory when they, they were had 14 nothing. It was like, here you go, blow them out, two turnovers. Now they ended up still blowing them out, but even at that point in the game, you're kind of going, geez, stop doing this. Yeah. You know, that, that, you shoot yourself in the foot, okay, you get away with it against Youngstown State. You're probably not going to against the Bison. If there's a weakness we can detect in North Dakota State that the Jackrabbits could exploit, what could that be? Say that one more time. Sorry. A weakness at North Dakota State compared to maybe past great North Dakota State teams or um, on its own that you just that you would notice? Anything that gives you a reason to go, oh, the Jacks can exploit this and that's a path to victory? No, not really. Mm. I mean, and but I think that goes for both of these teams. What's the Jacks' weakness? You know, I mean, I know they're, they're a little dinged up right now, so maybe that makes them a little more vulnerable. But when these two teams are playing their best, they're they're pretty much teams without a lot of holes. And Matt Ent said that in his press conference on Monday. It's like you look at this team and their personnel; there are no holes. And he's right. You know, now if if Cam Miller uh, is more of a threat to throw than he was in the spring, than Quincy Patterson has been this fall. Maybe the Bison will be a little more aggressive trying to pick on the Jacks' secondary because despite what Matt Ent said in his press conference on Monday, I don't think Don Gardner is going to play. In fact, I'd be shocked if he played. Uh, you know, Isaiah Stalbert is – I don't know if he's 100% coming back from a toe injury that limited him recently. Um, safety has been a little bit of a, a question mark for them. Um, so that might be an area that the Bison will try. I don't know. Um you know, the Jacks, like I said, they, they were able to do something in the spring that we're not used to seeing, and that is run right at them. Pierre Strong had a big game. Isaiah Davis had a big game. Mark Gronowski had a big game. They're probably not going to have oh, – I take the back. I mean, we saw last week Rudy Voss, their third-string quarterback, walk-on, um, came in against Youngstown, and I, 
the temptation is to call it a wildcat package, but he's an actual quarterback, so it's not so much a wildcat package. It's just he came in out of the shotgun and ran the ball a few times. I think the idea there, besides just giving NDSU another set to have to be prepared for, um, is to try to recreate a little bit what Mark Gronowski did in the Jacks running game. Because Chris Oladokun can run, he's mobile, but he's not the same kind of runner that Gronowski is. He's more of a scrambler, where Mark was kind of a straight-ahead running back of a quarterback. you know. And I think they're maybe thinking they can get Rudy Voss to recreate some of that. Uh, that's something that you know I'm interested to see if the Jacks use that and how much. And also, you know, if they end up trying to throw out of it, because Rudy Voss is a quarterback. It's not like he's some running back in a Wildcat formation. So that's something. Um, Isaiah Davis was practicing last night when I was there. Oh, hello. You know, when he uh, when he first went down, they said 8 to 12 weeks or 8 to 10 weeks or whatever. Well, it's been eight weeks. That's the you know front end of that diagnosis. Um, Stig was kind of coy about whether or not he'll actually play, but he was practicing, you know, and wearing his gear and going through the, the doing the reps. So it could be they just want the Bison to think he's going to play, and it's a smokescreen kind of thing. Matt Enns said he fully expected Isaiah Davis to play. If he does, that gives that's a big deal to the Jacks because it's not just like, oh, we have two good running backs, Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis. They have two good running backs who are markedly different styles, which makes it that much more difficult to defend when you've got them both. Yeah, and of course, they both stay fresh, uh, and also you can kind of choose who's if who's who's got the hot hand, all that kind of stuff that yeah. makes uh, things a lot more easy. Uh, but let's just say the uh, I mean the Bison rarely ever give up anything on the ground, and this is better ground attack than they're going to usually face. So I'm not going to say they're going to shut down SDSU, but say it gets really tough, it gets really nip and tuck, and then we're talking third downs, red zones, fourth Tucker quarter. Kraft, Zach Hines. Okay. Jacks have outstanding tight ends. I'm yep. actually doing a story on Tucker Craft later this week. Um, that might be the difference, you know. And the, the Bison have always had great tight ends too. I mean, one of them who had a touchdown. The last time they played uh, in Brookings, he's now playing for the Vikings, Ben Ellison. You know, Bison's tight ends might only catch 10, 12 passes in a season, but that, again, is just because they don't need them to catch more than that. It's not because they're not good. Uh, so I don't know exactly what their tight end situation is this year. But, geez, Tucker Kraft is SDSU's leading receiver. Uh, and Zach Hines doesn't have as many catches, but I think he's got something like four touchdowns. He's, t- to give you an idea of what a freak Zach Hines is, he's six foot seven. He basically played wide receiver in high school, and when he got to the Jacks, there was talk of converting him to tackle. I mean, think of the skill set you're talking there, like wide receiver to tackle and in between tight end. And I don't think the talk of moving to tackle was ever very serious, but he just was so big and had such a, a frame that clearly they could have put a lot of weight on if they wanted to. He probably could have done it. That's just the kind of athlete he is. I think both of those guys, Tucker Craft and Zach Hines, are NFL talents. Um, and so you talk about if they're struggling to, to run the ball or, you know, Chris Oladokun's not having – or, you know, the, the Yankee twins are having trouble getting open, whatever. If drop passes are becoming a big factor, which they obviously were uh, the yeah. last home game, you know, I think the tight ends could be very big. And, and obviously North Dakota State is well aware of that. They're going to be fully prepared for yeah. it. But still, that's, that's why tight ends are so great. You can prepare for them and still get burned by them depending on how the game is playing Yeah, out. it just makes life so much easier for a quarterback too. Right. I mean, Nebraska fans, rightfully so, for four years, they've got to get an awesome Austin Allen, who is about 6'8", and it's just like where – and they don't throw it nearly enough to him for a struggling quarterback like Adrian Martinez, who struggles with accuracy and decision-making. you got a giant man over there. 
even if he's not open, he, you get him open just by throwing it high enough to him. Do that. So because because you kind of answered my next question about Oladokun and how ready he is for a big game like this when he needs to make the pressure throws, and uh, you're saying he's got the security blankets to do it, mm-hmm. and we'll just hey, we know he has the poise. Uh, you've mentioned dropped passes were the biggest problem. Uh, in the north, loss to Northern Iowa, who was dropping those passes? By the way, who would you have to worry about doing uh, that again? Every, if you're everyone, everyone, okay. everyone was in that game. I don't remember so many. I'm sure Tucker Craft probably dropped at least one, just given that he's their top receiver. Um, but it was Canyon Bauer dropped a couple. I think the Yankee Twins might have each dropped one. Pierre Strong dropped a couple. I mean, it was just it was across the board. Um, one thing, you know, <clears throat> the Youngstown State game was a, a, a perfect. And again, not a great opponent. You don't want to say, oh, they're fixed because they do this every time they go on the road. Um, But they got the running game going. They added this new wrinkle with Rudy Voss. The tight ends got involved. The Yankee boys got involved. Oladokun had a pretty good game. Again, had a a turnover that you don't want to see. But I think um, you mentioned Chris has the poise, and he definitely does. He's not going to be overwhelmed by this moment or anything like that. I think, you know, my, my only real criticism of Chris this year, because he's been great, has been that I think when things started so well for him, when he had such a, a hot start and so much early success, that maybe that allowed him to get a little too comfortable and maybe that caused him to take some chances that he shouldn't have, which led to some of those turnovers uh, that have hurt them a few times. I haven't specifically discussed that with Chris, but my guess is that he sees that. I think the coaches probably see that. He understands how important it, yeah, it's great to throw for 330 yards or you know run the ball, all this stuff, but you can't turn the ball over. I think he understands that. Um, he knows for them to win this game, he can't turn it over. And so I think if he's able to, I think he's a good enough player is what I'm saying, to, to not just be forced into making those mistakes. He usually makes those mistakes because he lets his guard down, in, in, in my opinion. I, I obviously don't know, but that's what it looks like. So if he can have the, the wherewithal to kind of be like, okay, I can't take chances in this game. You know, this is too important, too good of an opponent. I have to be sharp the whole game. I think I think he can have a really good game, and I think this you can win. All right, let's go down to the brass tacks. If you if you have to pick one, you have to pick. And this is Wednesday. Uh, we could learn more injury wise, or somebody could get injured. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's not Friday, but uh, who do you like in this game? Who the you, Bison. You, you, They're eight and zero. Yeah, and the Jacks it, huh? have played poorly at home two weeks in a right. row. I'm not going to pick them. So if this happens now, what are we looking at for the Jackrabbits and, and their playoff scenarios? Well, they would be six and three, and really five and three, because again, one of their wins is against the D two. Although that's sort of mitigated by the FBS win. Um, then they have North Dakota and South Dakota. I mean, if they lose out, you know, and finish six and five, which would essentially make them five and five with an FBS win, I don't think they're getting in. Um, if they end up seven and four with an FBS win, I think they get in. Um, if they win out, they're going to be right back in the discussion for, you know, a, a high playoff seed. Probably not the top seed. Maybe not even the top two seeds. Although beating North Dakota State would, would be a significant win. They're the number two team in the country. And uh, South Dakota, if they can win this week, they'll still be in the top 25 when the Jacks play them. So that would be another quality win. But again, I mean, until they prove they can play well at home, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little early to start saying, well, what's their playoff seating going to be? You know, are they going to yeah, this? Sure, fair. Just get in. At this point, you got to get in. Uh, by the way, the UND game, because that's the weakest of their three remaining opponents. And, and, and I'm not saying they're weak, although they have, they've been falling. Yes. Is that in Grand Forks? No, nope, that's home. Okay. Because, uh, you know, it, the, the popular vibe right now is that that's going to, that, well, we it's not a popular vibe. It's a fact that it's going to be a hard game to win in Vermilion against the way USD's mm-hmm. been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to predict a loss would be a little just 
foolhardy right now. And, uh, and hey, that game's next week. I can't wait. So, uh, I mean, it feels like, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team, but this could be a playoff team going on the road and uh, not having a home game and all that kind of stuff. And well, they I have mean, a, the way they, as I wrote in my column on Monday, it's a huge maybe you don't want to be at home in the playoffs. You know, <laughs> I mean, shit, they go on the road and, and look outstanding. Yeah. Maybe you just want to do that. Stick and, with it. And as you said earlier in the podcast, you can't really explain it. You don't know. The only way I can explain is that uh, this is a program that continues – to get better and better and now has a national championship type of aspirations, if not expectations, and uh, and the fans have that. They feel it, and the players feel it from the fans, and if shit starts to hit the fan early in a big game or any game, then they start, oh, boy, yeah. we're you know we're, is, we're disappointing everybody. That's how it appears to me, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here or, And now, when, when it keeps happening, it's, oh, my gosh, here we go here again. Here we go again. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Just, <Yep. laughs> and, <laughs> see Nebraska football, and you know what I mean by that. Uh, by the way, um, there's been some interesting discussion about uh, FCS teams uh, possibly, if not, uh, deciding to go to James FBS. Madison, Sam Houston, and Jacksonville State are apparently all going. Okay, that's the report. It's not official. but I don't believe it's official, but that's been reported. And another Mike McFeely thing is, is he looks closely at the overall landscape of, of FCS football, which he has a good view of because... He's been covering North Dakota State all these years. They play those teams all the time in huge in huge games, national championship games, playoff games. Uh, he seems to think that th- that's a good thing. That's what these FCS teams that are this good and powerful for the last several years should be doing. Uh, he thinks North Dakota State should do it. I think he thinks South Dakota State should do it. And maybe it's a separate conversation, SDSU versus NDSU and the rest of these guys. But how do you feel about all that? It's like there's just more. Um, I've been I've kind of been poking Mike McFeely about, yeah, cool. Let's give up playing in the national championship every year to go play in the, you know, Tito's Handmade Vodka Bowl or That's whatever. That's exactly how I feel. I mean, um, is there so much more but, money involved or but, what? But I'm starting to, to have my mind changed a little bit. Okay. If all these great teams are, are bailing on the FCS, you know, it's only the, the, the NDSU fatigue is only going to get worse. I mean, at some point, South Dakota State's probably going to win a national championship, especially if these three teams are all leaving. Then it's basically just North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Who else is even left at that point? But you can already tell in Fargo they're getting bored with this. You know, more and more fans are going, okay, yeah, like maybe it is better to, to play 16 games and be in the national championship on national TV every year than to go play in one of these lame bowls and go 8-3 and three in the Mountain West. But how long can this go on? Like what if you win 20 of the next 22 national championships? Thank it does you. become – thank you. It does become at some point, what happened to USF? You know, on some level, would it be cool if USF was still in NAIA and playing 15 games every year, going down to Florida or wherever in December to play in the national championship? Yeah, that was pretty cool. But it got old, and the opponents weren't weren't challenging anymore. And I don't think anyone at USF, as much as it was nice to win a national championship versus just getting into the playoffs in Division Two, I don't think anyone regrets it. I think no. everyone is happy they are where they and are. And I was thinking exactly. And I think the same thing would happen to North Dakota State. And not not to interrupt you, but to finish yeah. the thought, yeah. if Sam Houston and James Madison and Jacksonville State are going, and so many other teams already gone, you know, <coughs> excuse me, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern. All these other schools that were powerhouses when NDSU first made the move, they're all gone now. And there's more and more Division II teams moving up to FCS, but is Dixie State, Tarleton State, are they going to replace you know these FCS heavyweights, the James Madisons of the world? I don't think so. So I think North Dakota State's eventual move up to FBS at this point is pretty close to a foregone conclusion. I think it's going to happen. And if it does, I think at some point 
SDSU will probably have to go too. And I think at some point they'll be able to, but they're not right now. John Stiegelmeyer was asked this question at his press conference on Tuesday. He said, we are not equipped to go to FBS right now. What do you mean? What does he mean by that? Financially? All of it. Financially, uh, you know, attendance, state, you know, the stadium is was described as FBS ready, but I don't know if that meant like FBS now or had the ability to be added on. I'm not sure exactly what that meant. The, the, the thing is, there's so much uncertainty with, with what's happening in FBS. You know, are the group of five going to break apart entirely? Is there going to be this sep- like is FBS going to be divided into two separate entities or whatever? You know, all these schools are moving up to join the C- Conference USA. You know, what's going to happen Division to Division Two in a few years? Are uh, Mankato and Duluth and USF and Augie all going to jump up to FCS? And if they do, that's when SDSU is going to probably go. All right. You know, this was what we were trying to, to get away from. Not, nothing against those Division two schools, but they're clearly in a different point in their program. And if you're the Jacks, you go, okay, do we want to be playing in the, this new FCS with, you know, Augie and Mankato? Or do we want to go into the FBS and follow all these other schools that used to be our peers? The latter is the answer. The question is just when will they be able to do that? Interesting. Well, look, I also – have always thought, and I'm not alone in this, but I mean, I've been saying this for 10 years, and I used to do a radio show in Lincoln, and we used to talk about this kind of stuff all the time, especially this time of the year when the FBS playoff rankings come out, and it's all a big farce, and we all know it should be expanded, but we also know realistically the four teams that usually make it, sometimes not even all four of them are equipped to win a national title. Um, it's, you know, it's the same, it's the same club every year. And I, I've always looked at the I've always looked at the group of five. I've always looked at the conferences that aren't power five conferences. And it's about split in half. There's about 130 teams in FBS, and about 65 of them are considered power five teams. All the five power conferences mm-hmm. plus Notre Dame plus you kind of slip BYU in there. Mm-hmm. And why? When there's really usually every year only four or five teams that legitimately could win a national title. I think there should be a playoff just to let teams like Cincinnati go ahead and have it have a crack at this in the playoff setting to face those teams but they're not you know they, it's gonna be hard for them to win three in a row but I mean it's so hard to win a national championship why at the very least split it into the power five and the group of five let the group of five those 65 teams have their own national championship have their own playoffs and so it goes FBS group of five power five group of five then the FCS obviously what we're saying is North Dakota State would join uh, in this concept, schools right. like James Madison and Sam Houston, in the quote-unquote group of five, and give those guys some playoffs. Give those guys a 16-20-14 playoff, and then you have a shot to win a national title. The problem with this thing that does suck about going to the FBS uh, from the FCS, like NDSU is probably going to do in eventually South Dakota State, is you, have no, you don't have a prayer to win a national title, ever. So what are you playing for? You're playing for conference titles and a well, stupid I mean, bowl game ba- that nobody I mean, watches. Basketball has no chance of winning a national True. championship. You know, their national championship is getting to the NCAA tournament. But at least tournament. you have a March Madison, a 64-team tournament. And maybe you make where you get to win a game or two. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the point is, to, if we really want to simplify it here, is SDSU, NDSU, whatever, they want to be in the second tier. Yeah. Whatever that is. If the, Right now, the FCS is the second tier. Yeah. But if FBS breaks in half... And it becomes two pronged essentially. Well, then they want to move up because that would make FCS the third tier, right? Essentially, the new Division Two, yeah. and they don't want to be there. I'm with you on that one. All right, how much more time do you have? None. None. We're done. Yeah. I mean, I got a couple more minutes. Is something else you want to talk about? Well, we could do some rapid fire then. Let's do the rapid <laughs> okay. fire. Okay. Uh, all right. 
Mike Zimmer, have you seen enough after what you saw against the Cowboys? Yeah, it's time. I don't care if they let him have the rest of the year, but it's time. And it's because why? It's because, it, to me, it's his. It's the way he controls offense more than his defense. I, I, that's a fair criticism. I just think at this point it's, it's run its course. It's yeah. time. It's time. Uh, what did you think of Aaron Rodgers uh, having COVID, not getting vaccinated, missing this Chiefs game? Surprised. He's, I'm surprised he was a I'm not getting vaxxed guy. Should have been you, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah, well, and that should make Vikings fans a little bit, uh, you know. Well, it would if the games meant anything oh, the rest no, of the that's year, very, but they don't. Who gives a shit at this true. point? Yeah. Oh, but Shim, they've got these big games coming up down the down the road with the yeah. chance to cho- prove themselves. They've also got these automatic wins against the Bears who they never that beat. That Cowboys Soldier game field. was unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. And I watched yeah. almost the whole thing instead of the World Series, and I was kicking myself for doing it. Yeah. Um, by the way... Uh, the World Series. Any thoughts on the World Series on the, on on that? I was glad the Braves won. They were a cool story. You know, they were under 500 going into the month of August, and uh, had still had the worst record of all the playoff teams. Dealt with a ton of injuries. The Eddie Rosario angle we talked about was cool. Yeah. Um, it, it, I wouldn't say it was a great series necessarily, but it was a pretty good one, and I I enjoyed watching it. I felt really good for Freddie Freeman. He gives you yep. that guy gives you a reason to cheer for Atlanta right there. That whole story. Everybody knows the story. If you yep. don't know the story, look it up. Uh, and I've always kind of been a Braves fan because my dad was, my uncle was. When the Braves were in Milwaukee, they lived in Wisconsin for a few years growing up, and my uncle's always been a diehard Braves and Hank Aaron guy. I think anything associated with Hank Aaron is awesome, and he died this year. Yep. But I was re- kind of rooting on the Astros' side. I wasn't – most people rooted against them because the they're the big cheaters. Yeah. About a third of the teams in the Major League Baseball at least probably were cheating at the same time they were. They were the ones that got caught. Agree yeah, or not they agree? Were pr- I don't think everyone – they were pretty freaking brazen. I mean, yeah, okay. banging on the garbage that's can fair. thing. And that's a fair reason to cheer against them. Uh, but I was – but part of me – I was hoping Dusty Baker would. I don't know why, because he's 72 and he's had a lot of great teams. I like Dusty. He's never won a World Series as a manager. I would have loved to have seen him win, but it didn't happen. And, and the Tomahawk chop makes the Indi- or the Indians makes the Braves hard to root for at times, too. But It does. All right. We good? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Uh, All right. Which game you got on Friday? Uh, I got Harrisburg and Lincoln. So do I. I'll be there. Uh, yeah. And how do you feel about that? Do you think that'll be actually a close game? Uh, I think O'Gorman's going to beat Brandon in the other semifinal. I do, I do. too. Uh, but I, I, Lincoln looked great last week. I, I, you know, no disrespect to them and Freddie's team, but they're pretty young. I don't yeah. see him going to Harrisburg and, and beating the Tigers. It kind of felt like, okay, uh, they put all their eggs in the basket, which you should. It's do or die right. against Washington, your rivals who beat you the week before. Played and almost played a perfect almost, game. Yeah, thank yeah. you. 35 yeah. unanswered points after yeah. it was 10-10. And look, they did. I'll give you the quick taste here. Uh, they played Harrisburg in week three at the President's Bowl. Yeah, 35-28 or something? 35-27, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. And it was Lincoln scored first. Their hair was on fire. Harrisburg answered back with two straight touchdowns. Lincoln responded again. It was tied at 21 at the break. And then Harrisburg's talent showed through, and they got up 35-21 by, I don't know, late third, early fourth quarter. And then Lincoln scored mid-fourth to make it a one-score game. And then they, then they stopped Harrisburg. Lincoln had the ball with about – Four minutes left with a chance to tie, and they couldn't get it done. But I mean, uh-huh. they were right there, and they do have uh, they do they, they have studs on offense. Jersheji and Gutierrez, their running backs. Tate Schaefer's a fearless quarterback. Those receivers are good gets too. Him in Jack trouble. Smith and John Cooper. Yeah, they Jack Smith good. is amazing. Harrisburg's defense is a just a little leaky, just a little. Uh, that's probably because their offense scores so many points they can be. And then on Lincoln's defensive side of the ball, they have two defensive ends that can disrupt Jacob Knuth. It'll be really interesting to see how well Harrisburg's tackles plays because uh, Washington, which is a big, 
beefy, experienced offensive line. They had no answers for Lincoln's defensive ends, and Gutierrez is a wrecking ball. When he, mm-hmm. if if their, if their defensive ends don't close it out and get a sack or, or make you force a bad throw, Gutierrez is there to to wreak havoc. Um, so I expect big things from him. I think this will be a third or fourth quarter game. Ultimately, Harrisburg OG in the state title. I don't think we need to explain why we think OG's going to beat Brandon Valley, do we? They're just on fire. Yeah. Absolutely on fire. Well, Bennett Dannenbring is really, really good. They're on fire offensively. They've scored an average of 53 points in their last five games. They scored 42 on Roosevelt. And Brandon Valley is a a real barge down the – Barge the battleship down the sea offense. They get behind or they have to get in a shootout. It's not happening. They've got a quarterback who's been off for the last four weeks. I just think O'Gorman's got the goods. All right, now we're done. All right, see Yay. Well, one, the only Matt Zimmer, who you know by now is the authority when it comes to covering Jackrabbit football. He has been a machine pumping out Dakota Marker Week stories for the Argus leader at Argus Matt Z on Twitter. But, of course, you already knew that. Saturday at 2 o'clock, it is the Jacks and the Bison, always the biggest football game of the year around here. And it's a 2 o'clock kick. Go to Brookings. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to hop on the John Stiegelmeyer MAD soapbox here, making a difference. Go there. It's on Midco Sports, and they're going to do a terrific job. Tom Neiman, Curtis Riggs is going to be the analyst on that broadcast. You know what I think of him. Uh, they'll do fascinatingly good work. So if you want to stay and watch from the comfort of your own home, by all means, do so on Midco Sports. Midco Sports uh, Plus for the streaming. It's only 6 bucks a month. I do it. It's going to be great. They're going to have a 1.30 pregame, and they'll, they'll make it feel like uh, an ESPN quality of a broadcast. And, of course, you can hear the game on the Jackrabbit Sports Network. Uh, locally, that's AM 1320. It's 107.9 FM. It's also 105.1 FM. Uh, the Jackrabbit Sports Network will have a 1 o'clock pregame in Tyrell Merriam. is as good as it gets in all of Division One, not just FCS football when it comes to play-by-play. He's Remarkable, but go to the game. If you're a Jackrabbit fan, get your ass to Jane and Jay Dykehouse Stadium. Spend a little dough, bundle up a little bit if it's going to be cold. Tailgate, get your drink on, go to Cubbies, make that a snake pit. Make it the way it was for College Game Day. Just because College Game Day isn't in Brookings this year does not mean you can't go up there and uh, party your ass off, get in that stadium, and make it a lion's den for North Dakota State. Reverse this recent trend of the Jackrabbits losing in those big games. Make it a hostile atmosphere. I mean, what's more fun if you're a huge fan of a team than actually going to that team's games, especially the biggest game that ever comes around every two years in that stadium? Get there. I I can't wait to see how many fans actually go to this game. It was easy two years ago for college game day. 19,000 were there. How about that many again this year when ESPN is not on campus? All right. And by the way, again, if you can't make it, uh, budget's tight, times are tough, whatever, come to the Gateway Lounge. You know they're going to have that game along with the other big college football games of the day. Uh, including Nebraska, uh, Ohio State at 11 a.m. Oh, oh, I'm dreading this. Uh, they'll have that side-by-side with the Gophers at 11 a.m. I'm actually going to be at that game. Of all the places I could be this weekend, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, why would I want to go? Why would I want to go watch that? I'll take my chances on missing out on the greatest Husker football upset ever, which it would be because that's how bad Nebraska is. I'll take my chances. Um, and Fox is going to be there. The Fox crew is going to be there. The big noon crew. What? Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a, a I have a prior prior engagement, and that is with uh, the owner of the Sioux Falls Canaries, wonderful guy named Brian Slipka. Uh, he is uh, going to have me 
in his suite at Huntington Bank Stadium for the Gophers in Illinois. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> 11 a.m. game. Gophers in Illinois. This Illinois team who, by the way, uh, beat Penn State in like 18 overtimes a couple of weeks ago. So uh, that could be a fun game. Uh, we can watch them all here at the Gateway. And uh, it's also a great place on Sunday. We'll get to that in a moment. By the way, speaking of Gopher football, uh, this will be P.J. Flex's first game with his new contract. He is signed through 2028. That news came down just after Zim and I stopped taping that podcast. Know we got a lot of Gopher fans in town and probably as many uh, Gopher football fans and happy and confident and excited Gopher football fans the last three years or so than we have had in our whole lives here in Sioux Falls and also up in Minneapolis and every point in between. And look, uh, it, it's a weird thing to think about because P.J. Fleck being his youth, being his brand, could be a popular choice in other places like USC and LSU, two places are going to have coaches opening. Now TCU, not that I think P.J. Fleck would leave Minnesota for TCU, but I think this is why Mark Coyle and Minnesota are doing this. Keep in mind the Gophers aren't a top 25 team. Uh, they're 6-2, and two, but they still have Iowa and Wisconsin left on their schedule, and although the Hawkeyes can't seem to score a point, uh, they, and that's going to be a rough-and-tumble game. That's going to be a coin flip game. It's going to be in Iowa City. Fleck lost when he went there two years ago. Uh, he and Kirk Ferentz hate each other. I can see Iowa winning that game easily. Um, and, and Wisconsin's also a game that the Gophers have saved for one year under P.J. Uh, not much success. Even P.J.'s best year, which I think is uh, really the wind in the sails of this new seven-year contract, 11-2. and two, The Gophers lose to Wisconsin when college game day comes there. It's the snow, and the Badgers still light them up. So P.J. Flex is going to get a seven-year contract extension, and this is a guy who outside of that 11-2 and two season which is not a small part of the equation, I get it, has gone 5-7, and 7-6, seven, seven and six, and could potentially be, what, 8-4 and four if he loses to Iowa and Wisconsin, 7-5 uh, and five if he slips up against Indiana or Illinois. Uh, it's just four games left, and remember, he lost to Bowling Green this year. I mean, there's been some unimpressive things P.J. Fleck has done since 2019, but uh, look, if I am Minnesota, I, I get it. Uh, he is, because of his brand and because of that 11-win season, is a coach that a USC or LSU is going to uh, potentially go after, and potentially Nebraska if they decide to part ways with Scott Frost, which I think they should. And you can hear a million reasons why on the podcast I do with Curtis Riggs, Move the Sticks. Uh, so, I mean, they're doing this mainly out of protection. Iowa does the same thing. They get scare scared of Kirk Ferentz leaving almost every year and keep signing him up to bigger and bigger deals. Um, so I'm not saying it's not what Minnesota should do, but, I mean, th this is what this is where Golden Gopher football is at. You're rewarded for overall mediocrity or slightly better than mediocre. You just are. Jerry Kill was, and now P.J. Fleck is, and, and you don't want to sink. You don't want to sink to Nebraska-like depths in the Big Ten West. You don't. And Minnesota's not there. To his credit, he's 4-1 and one this year. They could win the division. They are consistent with what they do. He has established a culture. He has sent eight players to the NFL. A couple of those were uh, actually Jerry Kill and Tracy Clay's recruits, but still, uh, I get why Minnesota, there's a thing and a brand going on there that they want to keep going and don't want to lose to take Minnesota back to the toilet bowl that Nebraska is uh, swimming in right now. So, uh, overall, okay, I get why they're doing it. Don't know why they are racing to do it uh, before the jury is still out on the full 
resume of P.J. Flex's fifth season in Minnesota and five years overall. He's, by the way, he's a losing Big Ten coach, 19-20. and 20. It, It's a very gray area thing, but, uh, hey, thumbs up to P.J. Okay, so Gophers, Illinois, Nebraska, Ohio State, the Dakota Marker game, all here, all over the place. you got so many TVs all across this bar. It's the best place in Sioux Falls to go watch games. And then on Sunday, your NFL matchups, those Chiefs and Packers, that's going to be a big crowd. This is your Chiefs headquarters, but it's also your Packers headquarters. It's your Vikings headquarters. That 325 game without Aaron Rodgers at Arrowhead Stadium uh, will be part of an afternoon slate that I can't wait to be at the Gateway Lounge to watch. Chargers and the charged-up Eagles. Cardinals, Kyler Murray against the Niners. And the Titans with Adrian Peterson and the Rams. That's our Sunday night game this week. We have plenty of Bears and Steelers fans in the area. That's your Monday night game. Uh, no matter if there's a bunch of games going on at once or if there's one big game to watch. Dakota Marker Saturday, every Sunday night and Monday night game. Uh, Gilbert, my husband, and I were here for the Vikings and Cowboys on Sunday night. It was so much fun <laughs> because the Vikings were stumbling the Cowboys were bumbling early, and uh, the Cowboys getting a win they should not have gotten. Um, it, it was, it's just fun to be here, and they've got great food and great staff. Um, and you know where it is, 41st and I-29. We're so appreciative of them hosting Nobody's Listening Anyway. For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins, and we'll talk to you next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.